Welcome to the Clear the Shelf podcast with Chris and Chris, the show that meets at the intersection of education and entertainment to discuss online arbitrage, retail arbitrage, wholesale, and all facets of selling on Amazon. We'll bring you news, tactics, strategies, insights, stories, and interviews to help you grow your Amazon business. And now, here are your hosts, Chris Grant and Chris Racing. What is going on, Amazon sellers? Welcome back to the Clear the Shelf podcast with myself and my demiurgic ho- co-host, Chris Rasick. Uh Today, we've got uh, our, our friend Sirtak, who's going to be here. We're going to be talking wholesale a little bit. Uh, it's been a couple of episodes since we've chatted wholesale, and we know this is a popular topic, uh, so we'd love to get more opinions on uh, on how to kind of break into this particular category of selling on Amazon. Now, before we get started, you know this show is not free. We don't hide the content behind a paywall, but we do require you to hit subscribe, hit the like button wherever you might be watching this. And if you do that and leave a comment uh, letting us know what you got out of this week's episode, we're actually going to start doing a giveaway. So this week, we're going to be giving away a copy of the OA Challenge replays. If you want to master the art and science of online arbitrage, we can help you do that with this particular course. Uh, And we will pick one person to make sure you get that for free. So make sure to let us know what you take away from this episode that is is helpful for your business. Uh, And uh, without further ado, Sirtak, welcome to the show, man. Thanks for hanging out. Pleasure having me, man. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, you are, you're a wholesale seller. How long you've been on Amazon? Can you kind of give us a background of, of what brought you here? Yeah. So I started Amazon maybe five years ago. Oh, Oh, fantastic. Well, a lot of people don't know is I was in the retail scene before Amazon. So I had, if you guys know those kiosks in the middle of the mall. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I had about two to three of them open at the same time. And if you guys know anything about retail traffic, Amazon took over, retail traffic is declining and all my customers are like, why would I buy products from you if I could buy it on Amazon, right? And five years ago, you guys didn't exist. There was no content on YouTube and everything was just like a lot of fluff. Mm -hmm. So I got onto Amazon just by Googling YouTube videos, what is Amazon, what is Amazon FBA? And yeah, I came across all the business models, retail arbitrage, wholesale and private label. But I didn't know much about anything. So I just went with wholesale because it's the one that made the most sense to me since I was doing retail anyways. Nice. So I, I kind of, I want to go a little deeper into this backstory. Yeah. Uh, because I, I have walked past tons of the kiosk at the mall. Walked past is the key word on the way to the Apple store, typically. Uh, so in your particular case, was was the kiosk, was it declining because you were in a bad location? Was the mall declining? Uh, or are you did you see that kind of trend happening everywhere? Uh, yeah, so it happened slowly. I was in the retail business for two years. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I started when I was like 19. I was in it for like two years. And the first year, the sales were... Cr- great and mind you the rent is very expensive when you're doing kiosks so yep. november and december they put you on a different contract with sometimes you're paying seven thousand dollars a month oh for this for like kiosk yeah wow but you're in the middle of traffic they provide this almost like amazon yeah they provide the traffic to you and you know so the first year made crazy profits it was really good everything's going really well the only downside is you're there from 10 a.m 10 a.m to 9 p.m mm-hmm. so you're putting in 11 hour days and for me as a 19 year old I don't know if I, would, I wanted to be an entrepreneur, but I needed a job. So I got into that because I got a job at the kiosk and the guy just closed it down after like two months of me having the job. And I'm 
I'm like, well, if you add a few more toys to this, because all he was selling is those like little yapping dogs. Okay. And I'm like, well, if you add a few ducks and if you add a few plush animals and stuff like that, you know, even if you get like a few more sales a day, that's enough for me. Just going to college, 19 year old kid, just anything is good money to me. Okay. So, and, and sorry, you were, I'm guessing you were ordering those directly from Alibaba, AliExpress, something like no. that. No, no, I, I had zero background. Okay. To give you what I mean is to open up my sole proprietorship. I went down to city hall. Mm-hmm. I don't even know like you could do these things like online. <laughs> like I didn't know anything. So I was getting my products because, you know, I'm, I'm always aware and I'm trying to find answers and someone said, or it just slipped out of their mouth and they were like, Hey, you know, um, we have to go to Brooklyn to 1333 Flushing Avenue. I still remember the address. I don't know if you guys want to bleep that out, but it, it's, it's a toy wholesale. It's in Brooklyn. And I just took a mental note. I went down to Brooklyn. I drove in and it's just like nothing but wholesalers in that whole zip code. And I went inside every single warehouse, every single, and some of them are sketchy. Like you're going up the stairs on like the side of these like broken down buildings. You walk in and there's toys. You walk in somewhere else and there's like household goods. You walk in somewhere else and it's like grocery products, right? So that's where I was buying my products. I had no idea what Alibaba was or any of these websites. Interesting. I can already tell you're a hustler. I like I like yeah. this thing. <laughs> yeah. Bro- Brooklyn is an interesting place. I, I haven't been there, but I know how big the retail trade is in Brooklyn. And I, I, I actually kind of want to go. Um, I, I've read a lot of uh, – I've read a couple of biographies on like – Lazarus and the guy who started at Marshall Field and a few of those other people and like Brooklyn is is where most of those people came out of. Um, so yeah, it's interesting. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the transition from working or you know selling items at a kiosk to what moved you over to Amazon. Well, when when I closed on the kiosks, I, I made a vow. It was two vows. I said I will never deal with the end consumer ever again in my life. Okay. And the second one was, I will never get into something that has a ceiling that I can't control, right? So in a mall, right, no matter how good your display is, no matter how quality your products are, even if you push advertising, which is something people don't do, you cannot increase the traffic inside of that mall. So when I found out about Amazon, they already had this massive traffic and you could push more traffic to your listings or whatever you want to do if you ever wanted to. And that kind of appealed to me more. So that's how I got onto Amazon. Okay. We're going to circle back to that because I'm guessing you are running your own traffic currently. No. No? No. So okay. we, we, do, we do the wholesale model. Everything we sell, people are already looking to buy those products. Okay. So we don't need to push advertising. I think my advertising bill is like $80 a month. Okay. Maybe just run a kind of a catch-all campaign. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's... Let's talk a little bit about how you broke into into wholesale because that's I mean that's where a lot of people want to want to learn. They want to be able to either add wholesale to their online arbitrage business or or they might even want to just completely transition because they don't want what they might feel as a grind of retail arbitrage or online arbitrage. So I guess I want to know how did you get into you already had a little bit of a background, but how did you get into wholesale and, and start opening accounts and things like that? Yeah, so. The advantage that I had is you had to pretty much be a little more professional mm-hmm. than other people, right? So when I was doing the whole um, the, the retail business, I had to talk to the mall managers. I had to go to these wholesalers, speak to them face-to-face. So I had that advantage that was going for me that a lot of people don't because, you know, if you're doing retail arbitrage, you're just scanning stuff on the shelf. If you're doing online arbitrage, you're just on a website, right? Mm-hmm. 
the smarter people are talking to the store managers and stuff like that. But when I got into wholesale, um, well, first, I, I want to throw this out the way. Nothing is going to give you more for your money than the stuff that you're already doing. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people that want to transition to wholesale because it looks nice, it's not going to make you more money because there's a huge learning curve in the beginning. It's it's not an easy, yeah. you know, it's, it's not an easy start. So retail arbitrage, online arbitrage, if you're already doing it or if you already started, that's always going to make you more of your money than transitioning over to wholesale because now you got to learn this whole entire thing all over again, right? Mm -hmm. But I would like to say the way I got started was just on YouTube. Mind you, five years ago, I mean, you guys make content. A lot of people make content now. But five, six years ago, there was no content. So after December 31st, when the holidays were over, I shut down my retail business. And I took four months to learn from January all the way to April 14th. I think I remember my exact shipment, right? I got it. I got shipped to my house. So for April 14th, I got my first shipment. And I took that long because there wasn't any information. Mm -hmm. I don't like to do anything I don't understand. Right. Even though I still Same lost. Way. Yeah. I still lost all my money on my first order. <laughs> <laughs> but that's that's because of the lack of information. I mean, I, I consumed everything I can. I watched. I, I always tell myself, like, I wish I had my search history you know, back in the day just so I could show, like, how many hours of content I watched before I got started. There was no courses back then. Pretty much, like, nothing. Mm -hmm. Like, except for Seller University. And you guys know how Seller University <laughs> was five years. Right now, it's, like, ages ahead of, like, what it used to be, right? Oh, yeah. So, um, And that's still not a glowing endorsement. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. It's, it's, it's horrible. It's horrible. You could listen to any podcast and get more information, right? But, um, yeah, so I, I started like that. It's just, like, very humble beginnings, just... Well, mind you, no one around me was also selling on Amazon, buying stuff on Amazon. People forget that buying on Amazon is a luxury. Mm -hmm. So, you know, where I grew up, it's people just went to the store to buy stuff. My mom would actually go to like different supermarkets to get tomatoes for like a few cents cheaper. So like that's how we grew up, right? Mm -hmm. So, and then like when I'm in the mall, you know, you come across all faces of people and they're talking about Amazon and stuff like that. I never went on Amazon.com. So I had to learn what Amazon is. What is Amazon? And then selling on Amazon. What is selling on Amazon? And then FBA. What is Amazon FBA? And then FBM. What is Amazon FBM? Like these are the Google, um, the YouTube searches that I had when I was first starting off. Very, very long process. And even on my first order, because of the lack of content, 70% of my order was hazmat products. Oh, man. <laughs> I was like, this is great. It's profitable. I'm going to make money. Go to list it on, you know, I'm, I'm in my house. It's easy off oven cleaners. To this day, my mom still uses them, right? <laughs> to this day. That batch that you ordered, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's expired. And I'm like, mom, it's expired. And she's like, well, it'll work better. It's chemicals, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's marinated a little bit, so yeah, it's, yeah. it's stronger now. Yeah, yeah. So um, Finally aged. Exactly, exactly. So it cleans better. Probably a little, you know, toxic, but who cares, right? My mom's never going to throw anything out. But yeah, that's because like there was no one I can reach out to and be like, hey, can I sell these products on Amazon? Or no one is talking about the hazmat policy or stuff like that. This is like hidden information that you only learn through like trials and tribulations, right? Right. So after learning about that, you know, you know, you take the loss. The number one thing that I learned in the retail business is if you buy products, you never return them, right? Because your word is your bond. And, and you're already buying from wholesalers. Exactly. I yeah. mean, th this is a new wholesaler. It's a good wholesale that I'm still working with to this day. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. It's and they're at ASD every year. No one opens up an account because like it's not profitable. But yeah. it is profitable. They just you have don't the know. Relationship. Yeah. It's a relationship yeah. business. And 
and yeah, so I never returned them. I took the loss on the chin, and then my by my second order, I was profitable. And then six months later, I got my first warehouse. That's wow. That was yeah. that's fast. Yeah, that's six awesome. Months. Wow. And if if like I'll I'll tell you the turning point. Wholesale was a long kept secret. No one was talking about wholesale. You know, um, there's one zip code in Brooklyn that accounts I think one and a half percent of all of Amazon's revenue. Mm-hmm. They all do wholesale. No one knows anything about it. Um, Lakewood in New Jersey. I think another half percent, like these are, I'm saying 1%, but 1% of Amazon, it's a huge number, right? Right. So no one was talking about wholesale. And then Watch Me Amazon started coming on the scene. I'm, t- I'm saying this is before Watch Me Amazon, before Amazon lit, right? And then they start coming on the scene. And then, you know, now you have someone to like message if you have a question. So that's 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 pretty much what where I started off. So um, let's talk about that period of time. Like, <gasps> tell me what, kept you going is that is that just how you're wired because it had to be frustrating not only the 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 learning process with no guidance which that's an important distinction you know that that could be tough are you just that kind of person or had you set your mind towards a goal and and you don't give up until you get there or because i think a lot of people there's probably several in the audience that could take that lesson of keeping mm-hmm. going, you know, because that, that sounds like there's a lot of frustrations, you know, you kind of sum it up, yeah. but you're learning for that whole period of time with no guidance. And then you fire off the first order and you take it on the chin. How'd you, how'd you come back? How'd you keep going? Yeah. If, I mean, you take the loss in the chin. I'm just like, well, how much more losses can there be? You know, I already took a, what was a $900 <laughs> loss. And mind you, I only had $2,000 because that's what I left the retail business with, mm-hmm. you know? So, um, yeah, I made some huge mistakes with that. But yeah, I left the retail business with just $2,000 left. Did you have to fight off like, okay, maybe this isn't the, the route for me? No, no. I, I, I always knew there was two things I wanted to do besides for being a professional soccer player. But then after a certain point, you want you, you get realistic with yourself, right? If you're going to a D3 college and playing for the city college of New York, <laughs> right? So you realize you're like, well, I'm probably not going pro. Not that I was bad, but I'm like, yeah, let me start making money now. So I took that obsession translated to business and I, I wouldn't say it's what kept me going but I, I always knew it was either I wanted to get a job you know at the stock market exchange or like you know just doing something like investment banking or something just has to do with finance and money I just always wanted to be around money or I always wanted I always envisioned myself as like walking into my office and there's just employees and I just wanted like a business like mm-hmm. a large operational business and that's my exit you know once I get to that I'm done right but um, yeah, so it, it wasn't so much about thoughts because when you're doing it, it's not like, ah, oh, this is annoying. You know, I don't want to do this. This is too hard. You never really think, think those things. You're like, okay, that was hazmat. I won't buy hazmat. On to the next one. And then on to the next one. You take another loss and then you learn by keeper charts. You know, the prices tank. You're like, why did it tank? It was always about curiosity more than frustration. You know, it's, all right, this tanked, why? There has to be a reason. And then I would always see Amazon Lit storefront. I, I, I was one of the first ones to know what his storefront name was. I mean, I won't say it on the podcast, but um, I, I would see them selling it for, for cheaper than I am. And mm-hmm. a logical thing in business is no one sells anything at a loss. So it's either they're terrible at business, which I doubt, or they know something that I don't know. Mm-hmm. And that's that they can get those products for much, much cheaper than I can. So there's the battle. How can I get these products cheaper? And I would ask my sales reps. I'll talk to them hours on the phone. I'm like, listen, I know you sell to these guys. 
I know what your invoices look like. You know, they flex sometimes. I see things and I catch up on. I'm like, oh, that's where they buy from. How do they buy those products? And then they're like, well, this is the deals we send out. I'm like, boom, send me those deals too. It's always questions. Sales reps only want their jobs easier. Mm -hmm. So if you ask them like, well, I know these are your top clients. Why are they buying this from you? How are they buying it at what price? They'll tell you. Interesting. Because it makes their jobs much, much easier. They don't have to deal with it, go back and forth negotiations, this and that. I'm like, listen, buddy, he's getting these products and I know he's making money on Amazon and he has to be buying for at least this much, right? Because that's that's the profit point. Mm-hmm. Even like at 20% ROI. So I will say the worst case scenario. I'm like, he's buying it at least this much, but you're giving it to me like a dollar more expensive. Right. So how much are you giving it to him for? He just told me. He's like, well, this is what I do. Mm-hmm. See, but that's, and that, that's interesting in and of itself. But what's really interesting is you connecting those dots. Yeah. Oh, because how many sellers that, that we've talked to that we know just on a casual basis would have seen the price that they're selling at and just go, I can't sit. They got to be selling for a lot. I can't sell it for that. I mean, I've, I've heard people specifically say they're losing money. No one can get it at that price because right. I can't get it at any lower of a price. And, and obviously that's it's not the case. You know, right. they just haven't done the work. I mean, you and you essentially reverse engineered the wholesale relationship that they had mm-hmm. and, and said, there, there's got to be an answer. There's got to be a way that yeah. I can do this, too. I, I mean, that's I give you a lot of credit for that because that's that's not natural for a lot of people. Yeah. I mean, sometimes you just don't have any other options. And and this is the time, you know, I dropped out of college once and I was like, you know, let me pursue this full time. Mm-hmm. And then my mom was like, you know, immigrant parents. When are you going back to college? <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because that's that's where I wanted to go. I, I kind of had a feeling you've got. Immigrant parent yeah. energy. So I want to I want to talk a little bit about that. <laughs> Immigrant parents energy. <laughs> I like That's that. a thing. That's um, absolutely a thing. Yeah. So so when I first dropped out, you know, they were obviously pissed. We still don't have college graduates. Even even though I'm making like good money, they're still like, hey, when are you going back to college? And I'm like, do you still want to live in the house you want to live in? Like, you know, <laughs> if, if I go back to college, I can't focus on my business. <laughs> and, you know, it's, it's, it's a funny joke. Like me and my mom just go back and forth. But she'll bring it up every now and then. And, yeah, they... They didn't take it good, but they have always had this trust in me. They're like, well, he's responsible. He's always been responsible. So let's see what happens. And then I did go back to college the next semester because I was like, listen, let me try this out for one semester. I can always go back. And they were like, no problem. I went back the next semester. Did the worst mistake of my life. I was like, I just want to get college over with. I'm going to take all of my electives because I had fun in the business classes and I had really good professors and, you know, accounting and these things. Numbers was interesting to me. Statistics. Mm -hmm. You know, I I loved class. But then there's art, music, history, U.S. history. Like you have to take all those classes. So the semester I go back, I took all electives, philosophy, art history, U.S. history, world history and psychology. Eat the veggies first, right? That's Never went back to college. <laughs> Never went back to college. As soon as I went through that semester, I was like, I, I can't do this. And mind you, I'm like doing like 25, 30K in revenue like every month. Mm-hmm. I'm coming home from college, prepping products, shipping it out, waking up five o'clock in the morning because I told you my school was in Brooklyn College. I live in Staten Island. I have to take a bus, a ferry, the one train, then the five train. For, so I do have that immigrant dad story. I could tell my kids because I, I did this. So, you know, at the time it was, it was fine. 
But I'm, I'm super grateful for it because it was on the times when I was on the bus, the ferry, the train is when I was getting a lot of self-education. in. you know, um, this is it's, it's going to sound surprising, but I never knew there were like good books out there. Mm. I don't know if, if that's weird. I thought there was just like Harry Potter's <laughs> like, you know, I thought that that's what people read. And then I came across what this, most people read. Yeah. yeah most yeah. people waste their time on that kind of stuff. I exactly. Think. And this is like way back. Before I have my new Twitter account back, like, you know, now I have a Twitter, new Twitter account. But I came across this guy. He's talking about self-improvement, development. I thought he just, like, did things. You know, that's how you got better, right? But there's a whole way of, like, educating yourself psychologically. The way you act, the way you present yourself, and, you know, just, like, everything in between, right? And he was talking about these books. I came across the book, The Alchemist. If you guys ever read it. It's a great book. I read that book every year. I've read it maybe eight times, right? And, and every year I read it, I come across, like, a new like epiphany and you know it just changes the way i think about things so i started getting into those books and educating myself and that's when i Wait, really started to take off we're, we're a bit of book nerds can you can you give us more of the, your list it's 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 the basics i'm not gonna say like it was like grand stuff but it was you know the 40 laws of power the mm-hmm. how to form friends and influence people you know right now i'm leaking this i'm reading the psychology of money um that's a good book. good book yeah really morgan good house book. morgan house yeah yeah and then there's um the investor came out with this book, uh, Principles. Red Alio, yeah. great book. There's um, the Jordan Peterson books. Okay. Yeah, a lot of the clean your room stuff. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, a lot. I, I just read anything that I thought was good books, and I, I didn't really, you know, differentiate between them. But I just, just read, like, one of these business books. Like, like don't read every rich dad, poor dad book that's out there. You know, it's like, <laughs> how much different can they say like am i trade your do i want to be e b s or i and and i i that's just one book that's all you need yeah and i think the millionaire fast lane was better than anything rob kiyosaki ever came out with yeah so that's my personal opinion yeah i would agree too yeah Yeah. mj demarco's second book is also pretty good i i read that one recently okay yeah i'll look into that yeah Yeah, tell tell me the name we are book nerds i it's 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 bad We'll, we'll have a book club going on. <laughs> yeah. we'll, we'll do something like that. Right. right. Yeah. Hey, guys. Wanted to take a quick second and thank you for listening to the Clear the Shelf podcast. My magnanimous co-host, Chris Rasick, has put together a gift for you for being a listener. It's called the Monthly Goal Tracking Spreadsheet, and it's free. The spreadsheet will help you break down and track how much you've purchased, which should be a leading indicator of how much you will sell. And then you'll be able to track how much you've sold as well as your estimated monthly profit on a daily basis. This will all feed into the daily averages so you can ensure that you're on track to meet your goals each and every month. Grab it for free today over at cleartheshelf.com forward slash goal dash tracking. Thanks again for being a listener. Now back to the show. Uh, let me ask specifically, what do you think one of the, uh, one of the things you took out of any book you read has helped you the most in your Amazon business? Um, so there's, there's this one thing I, I, I don't know if it was from a book or a simple tweet, but there's some things that, that stick out to you. It's like, um, who, who are you trying to impress? Disappear for a certain amount of time, work on yourself and then come back. So it could have been like multiple books that said the same thing, you know, like solitude and, you know, um, a lot of the stoic kind of practices. So it, it was it was those things that kind of changed what I am. You know, when I was playing soccer and, you know, sports, I was very emotional. You know, we would mm-hmm. lose games, I would cry. I hate losing, right? And um, 
and I would get angry. You know, I hold my school's record for most yellow cards. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, so I, I, yeah, so just changing and controlling my emotions, reading the 48 Laws of Power, the Stoicism, and all, all those books, I think that was the biggest takeaway in business because now it's, I can get hit with anything. And I'm like, well, that sucks. How do I fix it? You know, it's it's always just cool, calm, and collected. You know, there's not much that could get me going, you know, mm-hmm. except for like family, personal, like really severe stuff that requires those type of emotions. That's different. But even then I feel a little, you know, let me solve the problem and then I'll deal with emotions. Yeah. Interesting. So I, I, I told you I want to circle back to this because I really do think that, I think that children of immigrants, I, I think you guys are built different. So I, I know that uh, my contemporaries, you know, kids I went to school with, things like that. Well, I guess adults now that I went to school with, eighty percent of them are lazy. They're, they're not. They're just not built the way that, that I would say that everyone in this room is kind of built the same way. You know, we're willing to do the hard work. We're willing to put in the hours, things like that. Do you think that the way that you grew up and the, and the things that your parents taught you have uh, shaped the way that either you want to do business or or what you're willing, what kind of work you're willing to do uh, to make sure that you are financially sound and, and, and have a good business? Yeah, so it, it's strange. I, I don't think it's the stuff, you know, my father that's talked to me a lot, but I, I don't think it's the stuff that he said, but it was the stuff that he would do. Okay. You know, when, when he moved here, he was a carpenter, construction worker, like, you know, but he was, he was a very good carpenter. And, you know, once he got a job, everything is good. Bills are paid and everything, you know, it's going swell, right? But then there's times when he couldn't find a job and he would go store to store, you know, like going inside of grocery store. He'll be like, well, that table is I can make something much better. He'll draw out a whole plan, like actually sell to people. Mm. And that's how he got all of his clients. So, you know, you I, I would watch this guy. I mean, he was a very angry guy. Don't get me wrong. Like there's a lot of stuff that's that's wrong with him. But, you know, that's family. Right. So he would wake up 5 a.m. in the morning and just go to go to work. I'll still be sleeping, but you know, you, you will hear it. He would just wake up 5 a.m., go to work, come back home. No complaints, nothing. Just like, ah, I'm tired. And then go to sleep and do the same thing the next day. So mm-hmm. it, it's more like wanting to succeed more than them telling you to succeed. Okay. It's like they, they did all of these things to you. The least you can do is be a proper human being. You know, like, like he came here not speaking a word of English, set a nice foundation, you know, and then brought us here. And then after bringing us here, he was just working nonstop. No complaints, nothing for years, 10, 15 years. By the time I was like 20, that's when I started to pay bills, 19, 20. But yeah, it's, it's more of the stuff that he did rather than the stuff that he said. Interesting. I, one of the reasons I find that interesting is because I've, been, I've really been binging a lot of uh, biographical content lately. Uh, Founders Podcast is, is really, really good. And one of the things he talks about is how the story of the father is in the son all the time. Uh, and if you go back and look through uh, a lot of the really great founders, yeah, um, Steve Jobs, uh, yeah, we could Marshall Fields, Lazarus, you know, all these all these guys, a lot of them do complete one eighties from their dads. You know, John D. Rockefeller's dad was like a grifter, uh, you know, and, and just like lied to everybody, had to move all over because people were trying to get money from him that that he owed them. Um, but when, I don't know, I see it in immigrant families, it seems to be completely opposite 
like your dad's a hard worker and that, you know, kind of goes down the line to you. And um, so I find it fascinating. So it's, it's the same thing with networking. You know, mm -hmm. you're around this guy who's a workaholic and he's trying to feed his family. So even if you don't want to, even if you like hate the guy, you're rejecting every belief about him. Right. Just being around that type of energy. The guy just wakes up and just does what he has to do. Mm -hmm. No complaints, nothing. Right. That kind of just rubs off on you. And like complaining feels weird. Yeah. And then you and just, you, it's like the same thing with networking. Like I'm around you guys and, you know, I'm, I'm getting this like, it's my first podcast. I thought I'd be nervous, but I'm like, I'm super comfortable because I'm around people that's just like me that wants to make money, that wants to do a lot more than just like the traditional stuff. Right. So it's just a, about like being around that. That's that's really powerful. But what's what's weird about the biographic thing that you're um that you're reading about is if you look at even like immigrant families, you have you know two siblings, right? It's like one of them will be that, and mm -hmm. the other one will be the complete opposite. And I <laughs> never know why. You know, I, I talk to a lot of my friends. One of the brothers will be straight business, everything, and then the other one would just be like, whatever. So I, I always found that interesting. Interesting. Is it usually the younger? I don't know. I don't know. Interesting. Oftentimes, it's the younger, from my experience. Yeah, my yeah. <laughs> now tell me, uh, tell me if there's a parallel that we can draw, um, and and not to to equate the two things, but it's kind of like the same. Uh, I I see a parallel in, in the framework. Uh, so your dad came over here, established himself first before he brought the rest of his family over, right? Um, is there so, and then. I, I kind of, um, I think there's a similarity with entrepreneurship, like, or, or self-employment where there's no safety net. You know, your dad came here and it's not like there's a network of family in, in the neighborhood. You know, I mean, there's whoever he brought over, you know, eventually, but you're in a, you know, new country and, and, you know, new language even, which is, and I don't mean to downplay it by comparing it to entrepreneurship, but just the similarity of, and then you start a business and, and you know, whether it be an Amazon business or, or something else, entrepreneurial, there's no corporate, you know, there's no HR, there's no boss down the hallway, you know, there, there's no safety net, essentially, like you are everything, every position that needs to be filled. Uh, so do you think, and, and I think, you know, your dad, I, I, I don't know where I heard it, but, you know, you're always going to lead by example, you know, it's up to you whether it's a good example or a bad example. You know, so I, I think I love that. I love that story is, is, you know, because you saw the work ethic by example. Mm -hmm. And then as children, you know, we always want to grow up and, and be better, you know, than, than what our parents, you know, so you, you want to, you want to take the next step and, and kind of outdo them. But uh, do you agree with that parallel? The, the lack of a safety net kind of, it kind of improves the drive, does it not? You know, you know, what's funny, I just realized this now is I, I never believed in a safety net. Um, I go all in on my business. You know, if someone gives me a hundred thousand dollars worth of products right now, I'm finding a way to find hundred thousand dollars, and I'm I'm buying it if I know it makes money, right? I don't. It might bankrupt me if like oh everything goes <laughs> wrong, right? But I'll I'll take it. I don't believe in investing. Well, I don't have wife and kids, so this is like different. Maybe when I get wife and kids, that's still I'll think a little more differently because you know, you, right? Yeah. Sure. So um, I don't believe in a four hundred one k. I only have six months of emergency funds. And it's like in cash just sitting somewhere and everything else I'm all in because I'm like, I rather sleep on the streets than play safe. And that's how I've been able to grow. And it's, it's funny you make that comparison. I never knew why. And that's, that's, that's a nice comparison. It's because like he didn't have a safety net. It's either do or die. So it's right. either he makes money or he's out on the street. 
I like that mentality too. So, and it's you know the the abundance mentality. Oh, 100 percent is a good compliment 100%. to that. Oh my as well. god. Yeah. Oh, uh, we, we we could do like a three hour podcast on abundance mentality. <laughs> um, once once you start start adopting that, there's more to something than what you see. Like there's it's just everywhere. Everything mm-hmm. changes. Like even even when you guys are you know sometimes you get comfortable you're sourcing from the same websites or you're buying from the same wholesalers and then you don't get the good deal sometimes and you're like oh man it's a bad month. Well, what about the ninety nine thousand other websites that's out there? Mm-hmm. We talk about it with with networking and uh, you know like when we talk to Miles uh, as well, um, you know the scarcity mindset versus abundance mm-hmm. mindset is. You know, do you ever have that twinge of if you're networking with somebody of of being afraid of giving information? You know, because the scarcity mindset says, "Ooh, you know, that's good lead. I don't know if I should share that one." Absolutely. To where if you if you change that mindset to where it's like, yeah, I'll, I'll give it away freely because not only am I going to find another one myself, my network is then going to return that value back to me. You know, it's it's going to reciprocate. I mean, just today I sent the deal out while I was in the Uber on my way here. You know, um, it was it was a closeout product. I bought 5,000 units and he had like 40 something cases left. And I just messaged my friend. I was like, hey, do you want the rest? He's like, well, are you buying it? I'm like, yeah, he trusts my buy. He's like, yeah, just take it. No problem. Like, no questions asked. He's like, OK, cool. But yeah. So when the thing with the wholesale model is it was that mindset for a long period of time. Right. Like no one showed their products. Even mm-hmm. if you go back to like the early days of, you know, I like to say Amazon lit and, and watch me Amazon, they never showed their products because it was just like not something you did. Mm-hmm. Right? And you adopted that. You're like, well, okay, I'll do the same thing. But now it's like, I'll show my product. Obviously you don't tell your suppliers and stuff like that. But even if I tell you my suppliers, there's a whole relationship aspect that you have to build and you have to get ahead and, you know, you have to know that's, what to do. That's essentially a moat. You know, yeah. That, that's, yeah, that's a difficult obstacle. To and then you have to order and then you have to order every week and then mm-hmm. you have to keep ordering. You know, the, I like to say the business is hard as it is. The wholesale business is very hard. But why make it harder? Now it's like, you know, I talk to people, you know, while everyone is like complaining on the bottom, we're at the top just networking. We're just sharing stuff. They're like, hey, do you buy from this? I'm like, oh, yeah. I'm like, and they're like, oh, yeah, I saw the way the, the labels and the products are. That's that company. Right? I'm like, yeah, of course. He's like, what's your discount? I was like, well, I get 15% from them. They're like, oh, you know, you can get 17. I'm like, thank you. Message my sales rep. I want 17. She's like, we don't give that. I'm like, don't you dare lie to me. I'm like, now I know, you know. <laughs> yeah, so that, that's how it goes. 100%. Let's dive into the weeds a little bit. Let's say, yeah, let's say I've done no wholesale whatsoever and I want to go and I want to find a product to, to wholesale. Where do I start? What, you know, do I source a product first and then find a supplier? Do I find a supplier and then source their catalog? What, what should I do if I want to buy my first wholesale product? Yeah. So the Google method is something I just started to learn maybe like last year, ever since I came out on the social media scene, Mm -hmm. never looked for distributors on Google, but now I'll do it and I'll find a handful. Right. So that's, that's a great way. Use specific keywords like health and beauty, wholesalers, New Jersey mm-hmm. or Miami or California and find it like that. Then swap out wholesalers for distributors and you'll get a whole new like page. Mm-hmm. And you just keep doing that and skip like the first page and then go on the second page, right? You want to skip the ads and stuff. Where Google hides the dead bodies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that, that's, that's where you want to spend. And you see this nice old website that got created during the dot-com bubble. And I'm like, yes, that's a gold mine, right? So um, that's that's one of the ways. But when I was coming up, what I did was it's so simple that I think people are starting to teach now because, you know, I, I, I did it on my stuff. And it's literally like 
do we have anything here? It's like if you're drinking anything or if you're using anything, there's a customer service number on the back of these things, like the like the Doves, the Colgates, the Crests. You give their customer service number a call, and you're like, hey, I opened up a store. It's, it's a customer service rep. Like, they don't need to know everything, right? Hey, you know, I opened up a store in this neighborhood. Can you connect me with your largest distributors? They're like, well, do you want to open up a distribution account? I'm like, no, I just want to buy from your largest distributors. And they will send you a list of 30 distributors. I'll call them back up maybe like next week. And I'm like, hey, I opened up a store, an entirely new area, you know, Miami. And they'll send me another list because why won't they? Dove wants to get their products in every single household across America. Mm -hmm. So they'll give you the distributors. They're authorized distributors. And that's how I found all of mine. They'll literally give you a list. <laughs> phone number, email, company name. And you don't have to double check. You don't have to see if it's legit, if these companies are going to scam you, nothing. It's coming directly from Dove and Colgate. Right. I was transferred from customer service. That's about <laughs> as legit as it gets. <laughs> right. Right? Exactly. Exactly. And what, what an answer to the question of where do I start? You know, like, what are you drinking right now? Flip it over. <laughs> oh, yeah. 100%. Yeah. It's, it's, everything is hard if you're not doing it. Mm -hmm. Everything is hard. Like, to me, retail arbitrage, I want to blow my brain out. Like, I don't understand. I walked into a Ross one day. I'm scanning stuff, and I'm like, all right, cool. Where's my keeper charts? I didn't know anything about seller and pen, all these things. I don't know mobile apps and stuff, right? And I'm like, okay, cool. And then I found like $100 worth of stuff. I went home. I sent it in. It's just $100. You know, I'm like, well, how do I like scale this? You know, so I, I didn't see the light at the end of the tunnel. Mm -hmm. And to me right now, it's like, like Miles says, if you just go and you spend a few hours at Marshalls, you will come out with really good, profitable stuff. And you just have to do the stuff. There's no way around it. And especially now, there's no content hurdle. Like there's people just giving away information for free. Yeah. I, I, I see 90% of Twitter is junk. There's 10% of the people. Like you guys were talking about this guy who's on Twitter. He's mm -hmm. the niche, right? Yeah. The, the distributor. He, he is probably the most valuable person I've seen on Twitter because there's Amazon, which is not the real world. Mm -hmm. And there's the industry, which has been around for hundreds of years, right? To be able to grab good wholesale accounts and to be able to negotiate discounts, you have to speak their language. You have to know what they want, what their pain points are. Can you solve a logistics problem for them? Can you take products off their hands? How do you, you, know, how do you speak to them? There's, there's, there's terminologies. And if you could get that down, you have an advantage over 98% of Amazon sellers because they only know Amazon. Mm -hmm. Well, why mm -hmm. won't they take my money? Well, that's because you're creating inventory constraints for them and you're messing up their logistics problems. Yeah. That's why they won't take your money. And you're a one-time order. It's annoying for them. Right. It's fascinating you bring that up. I, I have a friend who is a, he has been a large wholesale seller for a long time. And I'm now he must just have be massive, but that was his uh that was his value add you know he would he actually had a he had a massive warehouse in, in the chicago area and he would store inventory for distributors because they had Huge. logistics problems and that's how you know he would uh he would get in the door the other thing too is he would actually if there was a distributor that wouldn't take his phone calls he'll just fly and walk in and, and he's got you know he's happy to do that um Okay, so we know how to find distributors now. You look on the back of, of the water bottle, look on the back of your Celsius can, what it, whatever it is you've got in front of you. Take a trip down, you know, uh, the public's aisle and, and turn everything over. Well, one more thing about that. Yeah. 
is you you know let's say you go to like Whole Foods <clears throat> or you go to a supermarket and you're contacting all of these brands, you're calling their customer service number. They'll get back to you with you know you'll see a pattern. They're constantly like giving you the same distributors or wholesalers. Pay attention to that pattern. There's a reason why that happens, and it's not because they're bad distributors. Maybe to a beginner they're bad, but trust me, it's not. They're not bad. Interesting. Okay, so. The next step is I need to talk to that distributor. Uh, what do I say not to put my foot in my mouth and make sure that you know they're uh, they're not going to hang up on me immediately and at least give me the opportunity to open up an account? So don't tell them you're an Amazon seller. Okay. Not because they don't want to work with Amazon sellers, but because there's a negative connotation that comes with that. You got to understand that they're wholesalers, right? They get hundreds of emails a week, and they've learned to just black out, blacklist the Amazon word. And they're like, we just don't want to work with them. Because mm-hmm. it's a lot of these people that watch the videos on YouTube. These kids out of their like parents' basement, right? They don't have any knowledge. They don't have any understanding of the business. And they're negotiating like one case of a product to get ungated on Amazon. And the distributor is like, our MOQ is $3,000. We're not breaking down a case because there's 12 units and you only need 10, right? So imagine how many of those emails they get. Mm-hmm. So in the beginning, don't tell them you're an Amazon seller. You know, word it a little differently. And this is one of the businesses where you fake it until you make it. You know, fun, funny thing is if you go back to my Instagram, I have story highlights. There's my the first story, 263 weeks ago, right? I'm getting a delivery in a parking lot because the distributor didn't ship residential for insurance purposes or whatever, right? Okay. So I was like, oh, you can just ship it to my store. I gave the mall's address. <laughs> so they were like, well, I'm here. Where do I pull in? I was like, oh, the dock's door is broken. Do you have a lift gate? You know, just just drop it. I'll have my employees come outside and, you know, they'll they'll bring the stuff in. Three pallets. Dude, you're a hustler. I yeah, love that. Three pallets. It took like six trips to go back and forth. And the mall was like 25 minutes away. So the entire thing was like a day job. So, you know, we're going back and forth, you know, putting the stuff upstairs, bringing it back. I, I have so many of those stories. But, you know, Anytime you come across a problem, there's always an answer. Mm-hmm. And now you can just ask people how to, like, I just said that. I just gave a random mall's, mall's address. You could do the same thing. Yeah. yeah. And, and network, I mean, what I would have done is I, I would have reached out to my network. And I know that was a long time ago, but, you know, they, maybe you've been able to cross dock with somebody or something like that to be able exactly. to, to get to that. Yeah, that's that's fascinating. It was stupid. <laughs> it was It was a stupid idea that worked. We're yeah. going to see pallets littered all over the back ends of mall parking lots. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, yeah. No, I, I sold those pallets. It's all your fault. I sold those pallets. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I'm like, well, these pallets can't be cheap. No. Right. So I found a pallet junkyard, and they bought it for like $5 each. Nice. I was like, oh, $15. Thank you. <laughs> this is off topic, but there is a very small niche of people who flip pallets and make a ton of money. It's ridiculous. Zero, and they sell it for like 12 Yeah. They, they just pick up, and they sell it for like $12 a pallet. Yeah. That's an ROI I can get behind. Right. All right. So we've got our foot in the door with a, a supplier. What what are you looking for in a in a good product that you're going to spend two, three, five, ten thousand dollars on? Yeah, so I personally like well, recently I, I love to go wide. You know, if if mm-hmm. the distributor's carrying ten, twenty, thirty thousand products, right? There's a, there's, there's a thing in wholesale. It's like if the product was 100% safe, then we wouldn't buy anything. Mm-hmm. There's always something going to go wrong, even if everything is sunshines and rainbows. A random person in the middle of nowhere could just go out of business and they're liquidating for a chapter. What is it, 11 or 7? Uh, liquidating 11. is 11? 11, 11 yeah. yeah. 
and then they're just selling everything dirt cheap. So everything could go wrong, right? But um, what I like to do is I like to go wide, which is something I did very early, early on in the beginning, and then during the middle, I went really deep, and mm -hmm. now I go deep and wide. But I'll buy 24, 48 units of products that I think it's profitable, and I have a few criterias. It's Number one is it has to be profitable right now. I don't care if that guy's about to sell out or something. I'll check it out tomorrow if, it's, mm -hmm. if he's going to sell out soon. But like, it has to be profitable right now. It has to be profitable on the average 30 to 90 day period, right? And the lowest point that the product has dipped down to has to be at least break even. Over the past how far? I'll say 90 days. 90 days? Yeah. Okay. Due to inflation. I used to look at the six months period. Now okay. I do 90 days. But it has to, I have to at least break even. Because there's no reason why I should be losing money if I can just break even, mm -hmm. right? So I have to break even, and those are my three criterias. And doing that, you still lose money, obviously, but on average, you're really profitable. Mm -hmm. Because some products go out of stock, and you're the only seller. So you're making more profit on that one than you are on the other ones. And then you're losing on that one, but you're making profits on the other one. So it happens. Fantastic. I want to talk a little bit about your logistics. Do you have... Do you have a warehouse space here in, in Miami? Do you use a prep center? Uh, I guess walk us through that a little bit. Yeah, so going going back to the beginning, the immigrant family and stuff. So I've always been really big on family, right? So I have a brother, and I always wanted to do something together. But life plays out weird and stuff happens. But later, you know, what I did was I made him quit his job. I forced him. I was like, dude, what are you going to do? You, you can't work here forever, right? So I made him quit his job, and he took a sacrifice. Because he was making a steady income, and then finally he was like, you know what, I'm sick and tired of this. Like, getting to his head, he was like, you know, the same thing every single day, right? And he started working for me. I was paying him, but, like, the most important thing was he was he had the freedom to work whenever he wanted to and then take off. So, so he was working, and later on, my accountant said, like, listen, you know, he's he's been my accountant for a while, and he knows the Amazon space pretty well. Mm -hmm. So he's like, hey, listen, either you can pay your brother a salary and pay taxes on that money or you can have him open up his own business as a prep center and then he can get paid invoice you for you know services rendered and he'll also have the tax write-offs and he'll keep the profits very smart and i was like well now not only on a psychological level he's also building something mm -hmm. which that's mm -hmm. his business entirely and now i can go anywhere in the world because like it's his business he's he's going to make sure that it's operating functioning well and I basically don't have a warehouse. I have a brother who has a prep center in my warehouse. That's and that's, awesome. that, that's, that's how it works. So that's now I'm center. in Miami, you know, definitely looking for prep centers that are around here too because I'm seeing a lot of opportunities. There's really good Spanish wholesalers. Oh, my God. I, I, I need to tap into that. The port is right here too. You know? Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. That, that's something I think a lot of people don't necessarily think about. I think, I think there are a lot of these very <laughs> Spanish... Spanish food, Spanish products, that, that's not really a small niche. But there are other small niches. Like, for example, I came across a, an Australian food website recently uh, you know, because someone sent me a gift from Australia. Um, Vegemite is horrible. Don't ever try it, by the way. <laughs> uh, you know, but sent, sent me a gift from Australia. And, uh, and then I, I just happened to see on the label, well, here's where they bought it from. And then I started looking a little bit deeper, and I was like, oh, okay. You know, they're a, they're not only a website, they're also a distributor. You know, the wheels start turning. So yeah. you see the way you think. Yeah, it's like I'm like, well, this is a product that looks weird. 
Let me see how many times it sells on Amazon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I look at it on Amazon, I'm like, five sellers. Looks like other people are also selling this. Now where can I get it? You know, call the customer service number. No, we hate you. Goodbye. Okay, let's look for distributors that distribute that product. <laughs> but I, I, I do like to touch on that, which is a really good tip that I don't think anyone's talking about in the wholesale space, right? One person was like, hey, you know, when I call these distributors and wholesalers, you know, they kind of don't take me seriously because my English isn't that good, right? He's like, I speak Spanish and my English isn't that good. So I was like, well, why are you calling English wholesalers? Why are you trying to sell Dove? Why don't you call these Spanish brands like Valentina and like the hot sauce? And, and you know, like there's a lot of these Spanish brands mm-hmm. that do really well on Amazon. Call them in Spanish. You have a connection with these sales reps that I will never have. If me and you contact this distributor the same way, even with my expertise, they have something in common with you that I don't have, and they and you're closer to their heart than I will ever be. So you will always get priority over me. Like, why don't you you everyone has an advantage. Mm-hmm. I was on Crazy Flippin' Mom's podcast. Oh, yeah. But not podcast, I'm the webinar. And I was telling her, I was like, you're a mom, right? I can't tell you the amount of times I was speaking to my sales reps and she was talking about like her granddaughters and her kids. And I'm like, I wish I had a story so I could like kind of connect, but I don't have kids mm-hmm. nor a wife, Wait, <laughs> nor I know how to like change diapers. <laughs> and you know, like, I don't know anything about these things. Right. So I was telling, I was like, there's, there's, everyone has this advantage about them. Do you guys like to fish? Do you guys like to hunt? Do you guys like, there's so many advantages that you have. If I don't know fishing and I'm trying to buy fishing supplies, if you know how to fish, mm-hmm. that's a passion of yours. And you get on the phone and you're passionate and talking about fishing. Oh, man, this product is amazing. I love your brand. And now I get to sell it. Like, thank you so much. Dude, I'm never, I can't compete with that yeah. at all. Well, that's the, that's the connection. It's almost the same thing as, as when you said that's earlier awesome. when you said talking to wholesalers, not mentioning that you're an Amazon seller. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Because they have their own language, essentially. And if you can speak that language... That's the connection. Exactly. You know, and that's going to set you above and beyond oh. anybody else that's going to show up in their inbox or, or show up mm. their door. Yeah. 100%. So this is this is the next question we should probably ask is, uh, and we talked about this with Miles earlier, you know, a lot of people are, are shy, they're nervous, you know, they uh, don't necessarily want to put themselves out there. How do you... I guess, how do you overcome that to get on the phone with a wholesaler to create a relationship, to try to have that dialogue when a lot of folks who at least, you know, listen to our show are just banging away at a keyboard? Like, you just, I'm, I'm not really good at giving advice because it's so simple. You just do it. You do get it on uncomfortable. F- I, I've been in, you know, I've gotten CC'd on emails by accident. That's, that was embarrassing. You know, it's like they're they're talking smack about me, like in the emails. They're like, "Who is this little kid? He's like 19 years, like he's like 21 years old, out of this house." And they had a picture of my house, and like they didn't know that I was still attached to that email. Oh, and they're man. like talking smack about me. I'm like, you go through embarrassing moments, but who cares? It's just like going on vacation. Let's say you go to Miami for vacation, and you see a hot girl. You go up to her, speak to her. She says, "No, you're never going to see her again. You're never going to see that girl again." Never cross paths. Same thing with wholesalers. They reject you. They already forgot about you. Call them again in three months. They will have no clue who you are. And now when you have experience, now you talk to them. No pun intended, but you have to put the miles in. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you have to put the miles in. That's yeah. it. I, dude, we're going to have to have you back on for, for like a mindset podcast because uh, uh, Chris and I, 
honestly, when Chris and I record, uh, we'll we'll stay on afterwards. You know, we'll do a two hour podcast, and him and I'll talk for another hour. Uh, <laughs> but we don't dive into the mindset as much as we uh, would some sometimes like to. And I, you've got a bulletproof mindset. I really really like that. And I, I guess it also comes with entrepreneurship. It's like, you know, I, I tweet about this and actually did pretty good numbers. You know, getting into Twitter slowly. So um, <laughs> I like it. Um, the, thing, the thing about business is, you know, you do well, no one cares. You do bad, no one cares. Like, no one cares about your achievement. It's, it's something about you that you want a better life, right? Like, you hit a milestone, $100,000 a month on Amazon. Okay, who cares? I don't know what that means. I don't know if you're profitable. Who cares? Like, let's say you went bankrupt. Who care? Even less people care. <laughs> like less than no one, right? So, just the just the collectors. Yeah, it's right. it's it's well, the bank cares. Um, <laughs> but but yeah, there, there, there's something intrinsic, like it's something inside of you that you just want to keep beating your last month, and you just want to do better. The one thing Amazon sellers don't have that I feel like everyone should have is a price. It's an exit price. You don't want to be a pharma tax, right? You don't, you know, you, you don't want to be this seller that just keeps making and they're only concerned about revenue. They're mm-hmm. not concerned about um, profits. You want to have a price. You want to have an exit because Amazon has its struggles and, you know, um, you can't keep this going for a long time, but know where you're comfortable to stop. And that's what I like. Fantastic. There's a, you know, that kind of gets into defining what enough is mm-hmm. well, which is an interesting conversation. Yeah, yeah. If, if you don't if you don't work backwards, you'll never know what you want. And the reason why I'm in Miami right now, I live in New York and in Miami, right? The reason why I can do that is because I wanted that five years ago. That's how I wanted to set my business up, mm-hmm. and I just started working backwards. But you have to sweep the floor to own the building, right? So that's right. It was a lot of sweeping, prepping, hours and hours and hours of prepping inside of my own warehouse, and then I was able to delegate the task and. I know that's not a Mr. Miyagi quote, uh, you know, although it is very Miyagi-esque. Uh, Jay-Z. <laughs> Jay-Z. <laughs> yeah. So that's fantastic. Uh, dude, this, this, was a, this was a great episode. Um, where, where should people go and learn more about you? Where can they follow you and, and kind of keep up with what you're doing? I just appreciate the Instagram followers. So um, Sirtak Altoon on Instagram, you might have to put down in subtitles because I'll pop that. no one is going to be able to spell that right. But <laughs> And it's Sirtak Altoon underscore on Twitter. Okay. It's, it's a two platforms. I'm pretty active on. Perfect. And we have a nice email list. Yeah, I've I've seen you. I've seen you on. I, I don't I don't hang out on Instagram as much. Uh, Twitter is my favorite, but I, I've seen some of your stuff there. It's been really really good, man. Thank you. So, yeah. Thank you. Uh, and I'll make sure I'll make sure all your information's down in in the show notes and stuff like that. So I appreciate that. I appreciate you coming out for the for the show, man. That was Thank fantastic. you so much. This, this was fun for yeah, my first podcast. Yeah. Good. Thank you so much. Good. Guys. All right, guys. We'll see you in the next episode. Thanks for listening to Clear the Shelf with Chris and Chris. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a screenshot on your phone and share to Facebook, Instagram, or your favorite FBA group. And be sure to tag me and let me know why you liked it and what you'd like to hear more from us in the future. Also, I'd like to give you some free gifts for listening. Head over to rabbittrailchallenge.com and repricerchallenge.com for some free courses to further your business. Thanks for listening.